welcome to Vision Scope, a program intended to educate and inform. My name is Wilbert Williams. Today we're going to have a little chit chat with Arthur Taylor, who is a music teacher, a social worker, and a lay preacher in the Catholic Church. Let's listen to him as he shares his story. Arthur, welcome to the program. Now, we, we, we have known each other for a long time, but this program is going out internationally. And I wanted people all over the world to know a little bit about you and also to understand the nature of the struggles that we have had in Jamaica and your mm -hmm. level of contribution to yes. that struggle. Tell me, you went to the School for the Blind way back, eh? a little bit behind me. Yes, I attended the Salvation Army School for the Blind about 1968. 1968. Yes, September 1968. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was probably about five and a half years old at that time. Okay. What was it like? Can you remember your first day at school? But it was quite strange, you know, leaving home and then find yourself living in a, a dormitory setting. And um, you have to get used to routines, time to get up, time to go to bed, mm -hmm. time for, for eating, time for school, time for everything. And then you have to learn the, the, the instructions of a bell. With, you know, if there's no human voice, and you have to fall into those kind of things. So when I actually got there, and I, I had some sight, so I decided to take a stroll around the, the school compound. The school compound was very, very large, even though it looked big to you mm. at that time. So I walked around the area, and I looked at some of the behavior of those who were blind or you know and I said boy some of them look strange <laughs> <laughs> not like not like who was my brothers and sisters yes. well, tell me know. a little bit tell me a little bit about that first day did you because a lot of us ended up in tears on that first morning at school were, were you one of those crying babies no I went straight into infant what do you call it uh, infant one or something I thought infant one or two I don't remember exactly mm -hmm. but I remember I was with um, a teacher named Mrs. Nesbitt mm -hmm. I know she didn't have the first the first um, infant class mm -hmm. and in our infant class there was we had a lot of things there to comfort us okay. there were ponies that you could go on and bounce about and rock and ride there mm -hmm. were Big enough cars they could go into to pedal around the place. Uh, so we had some of those things, and of course, she was selling sweeties. I don't remember if it was selling or she was giving us, but 
I remember getting my pocket full of sweets. Oh, that's good. And uh, why did you run away from the crowd? Yeah. Um, my sister and I, we went to, in the community, before I went to school for the blind. Mm. My mother attempted to send me to infant school, mm-hmm. or what we call it, basic school. Mm-hmm. At that time, where I got a little um, guidance to be able to see print, read print, to mm. learn to make the different letters and so and our first experience at the time my sister and i was just a year younger than i mm. we ran away from school because it was in the community <laughs> so we ran away yeah. and then my mother decided to shift us and send us to somewhere else where we had to walk a much longer journey discipline so discipline on a bus. Mm. and then my brother's school was close by um, I don't know if you remember your but Boys Town. Yes, man. Boys Town School. Yes. So we would go to school with him. He would drop us off, and then he would pick us up back. That was on yeah. on College Smith Drive. Right. So yes. Time and he, he caught us and put us back in, and then we just settled down. You know. Yes. So my mother would ensure that we had a um, little. Bulla and pear or something in the back mm-hmm. to eat until lunchtime. And that kept so when you... I got to school for the blind in the classroom, it was okay to sit around um, the table mm-hmm. and to you know listen to the teacher to do some work. Yes. It was at night. Yes. I would miss home. You lived at the school for the blind, eh? You were you were resident there. Yes. How did you find going through school now? You've settled down and you're coming up through school. What are some of the activities you can remember participating in at school? Well, we did a lot of informal play at the School for the Blind. Mm-hmm. We were in this big dormitory with about um, 15 or 17 of us. Mm-hmm. So we grew to become... Um, colleagues. So we had a lot of time to play during our break time and in our after school. And um, we would go to a place behind the dormitory called Calabar. Yes, at that time Calabar was next door. Calabar ground. Yes. And uh, we would make hot. Mm. We would do a little gardening. We would do a little search there, you know, fly, trying to climb tree. Mm-hmm. And there was Mr. Jones, we used to call him Mr. G. The carpenter. There's a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And of course, we would hang around with Mr. Jones and we would talk about life, we would under, learn about the, the, the saw, the hammer, the plane, mm-hmm. how to drive, and we'd drive nails into board, you know, watch him at work. He yeah, had a Mr. bicycle. Jones bicycle. Mr. Jones bicycling. Because oh, I remember oh, riding I Mr. Jones bicycling. And eventually they put a ban on it. But we didn't really get that. Okay. Because <laughs> you know, certainly would have taken, we would have been all over. <laughs> yeah, they, they put a ban on it um, before I remember, after a while, because I used to ride it and then we were told not to go on the bicycle and Mr. Jones had to lock it away each day. Right, no, we didn't get that chance. By that time, we probably would have put the bicycle somewhere else. And Mister and Big George, Mister and Big George would George, also yes. do something like that. Yes. But um, 
one thing we learned around there on Calabar, we had a cricket pitch. Mm. And we used to play cricket. And we used to make cricket out of various things. With the milk tins. So we would teach ourselves cricket out of bat and ball. Mm -hmm. And we were... We had sports there regularly mm -hmm. um, every year. Mm -hmm. So and uh, I don't remember Vivian Lattice Scott. I don't. You remember Vivian Lattice Scott? The I met her on my return. Him. Yes, yes. She would have um, guided us with with some of the activities that we did for sports there, you know, yes. the running and the jumping, yes. and those kind of things. So I was quite involved in those um, era from very early running, jumping, and um, trying to throw short wood mm -hmm. and trying to move some of those heavy weights, you know, the weightlifting. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I couldn't, couldn't lift it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I would try. Yeah. Let's fast forward now. You, so you eventually, you, you had to graduate from School for the Blind. Um, mm -hmm. And you entered the world of work. What, what, what um, did you do when you first left school? Well, just to say, leaving school for the, the blind, I was a little bit, I was more than concerned. Mm -hmm. At that time, even though I was so active at school and uh, in the various um, activities, in the arts, the performing arts, mm -hmm. and in leadership as a head prefect and those kind of things, mm -hmm. and leading devotions, when we talk about to go, I was wondering oh, what's going to happen to me. What would I get involved in? Mm -hmm. Although mm -hmm. I heard about physiotherapy and I heard about William, Wilbert Williams. I said I would probably love to do physiotherapy, you know. And but they say you have to have the science subject. Mm -hmm. So the school didn't prepare you with the kind of science that you would would, would be ready for those kind of things. So I was looking around and I said, well, I'm good at the performing arts. So I would attempt to go to Edna Madley, um, where I could do acting. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I got out then, and also I was thinking of going into Teachers College, because one of my friends, Ernest Dixon, had um, gone to Michael, and they were telling me about Michael and those kind of things. I said, maybe I would go, but I was afraid of the grubbing. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go and experience the kind of grubbing that they were telling me about. So we got out and um, when I went to my mother and said I was interested to try and go to those places, she said, well, guess what? We don't have the money now. We have four people. I don't know how you going to manage. I am blind. More so you're blind. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to get work. And I was dis discouraged. And she said, look, the blind will employ you. So, so my sister, my support was my sister. Yeah. Uh, two sisters. Yes. You know, we're, we're quite close. I bond between both of them. Mm -hmm. So we're quite close. And they would walk with me to different places. And I went to Endermanly. And there I got, they were discouraging me. But I had to command the certain authorities and tell them, I remember that day when I went for the, you know, the, not interview, but to go and register. And they themselves were saying they don't know if a blind person can do this. And they were telling you all what they have to be mm -hmm. doing as an actor. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, all I'm interested in is acting, 
Mm-hmm. And I'd love to be a part of the serial with them on, on, on the radio. Mm-hmm. I cannot paint and I can't see light. I can't those who are in my concert. And of course, they put a lot of opposition. And I, I, I stood up in that office and I shut up everybody. I tell them to shut their mouth. Because if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't have come here. I went to school for the blind for 13 years and I learned to read and write. I am literate. I can type. I can do my assignment. All I need is somebody to read for me. And of course, that, that finally, they allowed me to say, look, all right, come. And it was history. <clears throat> I was there for a year with speech and drama. The theater, because I went to pantomime for mm-hmm. auditions and other things. And Bobby, I remember Bobby Gisey would say, that's a wonderful voice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I, I just couldn't break through that barrier. But it helped me in the world of work as a teacher, where I am now presently. So I do a lot of speech and singing and preparation for festivals. And there were festivals that I have the children involved in over the years. So after after leaving Edna Mandy, what did you do? After leaving Edna Mandy, yes, I said I tried audition, but I wouldn't get through with the theater. Mm-hmm. So I decided then I was able to play music. I yes. to play music, I can play my guitar, I can sing very well. Yes. So I became a part of the National Culture Group for the Blind, mm-hmm. which was uh, pretty much at the time a, a social program. And I got arm of the JSB, the Jamaica Society for the Blind, that mm-hmm. was helping with um, public education, yes. bringing awareness. So we traveled the island involved in different concerts and you know exhibitions uh, to bring about the, in the 80s there this kind of sensitization of the public. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting any money from it as such, but socialization and exposure was very good. And of course, I linked up with the Fab Five, Frankie Campbell, the Fabulous Five band. Mm-hmm. I called him and said, look, I can sing, I can play. Mm-hmm. And he, that's spot man. <laughs> so at the time, he was managing the Unit Vision band. Yes, and there were two bands. Boy, both bands. Mm-hmm. have enough musicians but they can still come and come and be a part of us nevertheless so i would go mm-hmm. and i would learn how to you know play the bass guitar because i could play the guitar mm-hmm. and uh, i would go on some of the the shows with them help to put the boxes on stage help to set the stage there are mm-hmm. uh, professional artists mm-hmm. and from there now um dunbar roy dunbar and myself we form a group along with horace taylor the late Horace Taylor, yes. that we call Flash. Mm-hmm. And we did that for about eight months, and mm-hmm. then management decided that um, he would migrate back to England. Mm-hmm. And then we formed our own group. We got sponsorship from the German embassy and the Netherlands embassy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that time. And we yes, formed a group that we called Optic Revolution. Band. Yes, yes. And that lasts for about 12 years. That That's such a long time. Really yeah. make our mark there yes. in the various competitions and those kind of things. Okay, so having done that, um, that was really your breakthrough, really, going going and joining, linking up with Fab Five. You would, would you say that that was the start of your breakthrough in music? Yes, that was pretty much the, the 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 platform that really provided the ex 
um, for me to use the expert the expertise and the game and garner a lot of confidence mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So when I actually decided to go into the classroom to teach, I was more than prepared mm-hmm. you know, to teach music mm-hmm. because I was so rounded with the various professions and the professionals and the shows. Yes. that we have been on mm-hmm. and it's from the when I, I started at Calabar I was So you are still you are still in teaching. I'm still in it's, teaching. It's still in teaching. okay. That's where you you that's where you earn your bread. Precisely. And and you seem to love it because you're always talking about your work in the classroom and you know <laughs> yes you, you always really sound excited about it. You know, um, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Teaching persons, I find it more challenging to teach persons who are, who are not visually impaired mm-hmm. because you have to get them to understand though you yourself visually impaired. So it means that you now have to have concepts within your head, mm-hmm. have them written down also but within your head. Mm-hmm. You have to have a picture of what things look like in music mm-hmm. um, to convince our young children. So even in the classroom, they are marvelous. They keep marvelous. They sir, how you do that? How you manage to yes, do that? Yes. When you have, when I draw for them, the the clef sign, the treble clef sign, and all that. And remember, I'm not seeing anything now, guys. <laughs> so, so you have all of those pictures in your head, and yes. they look. You will do it much accurate than I. I am sure you will get that boy. Wow, sir, you know. So we, and of course, using the book. Now you don't have to really make the signs so much in the books because the books that we use now come more prepared, mm-hmm. you know, with the various um, signs and symbols, mm-hmm. you know. So you have to study the books and you just talk, you just talk mm-hmm. and teach them and of course give dictation. You have yes. to give notes, you have to walk the class to ensure that they are taking the notes, mm-hmm. you have to be among the ones who talk a lot, chat about. 
uh, there's, you know, to be aware of everything that's going on in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And of course, it works well, especially, I'm in the private school, mm-hmm. so you get more done because you have the support of the class teacher be there with you to help with some of the discipline, uh, the focus of the children. In addition, in addition to all of that, you find time to enter the church ministry and you are now a deacon in the Roman Catholic Church. Give, tell me yeah. some of the experiences you have encountered in that. Uh, that's another movement of growth, you know, when I decided that I was invited to be a part of the Roman Catholic Church. I went with, with, with apprehension, you know. Yes. I, I thought that the Catholic at the time, like what many people would say they weren't Christian. There was a society group and all those kind of things. and people asking questions, talking about the Pope and all those things. I had those difficulties too. But when I went there, a friend invited me at work. And um, they picked me up. And uh, of course, when I got there, I was placed around the organ, not knowing the priest. But I guess my friend probably briefed him about me. Mm. And the invitation that I got and the reception that I received, you know, it's until today the same. People keep welcoming you, greeting you. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to go and listen and learn and ask my questions because, you know, their worship life and experience is a little bit different from mm-hmm. the Protestant churches. Eh? So I would ask questions, I would get answers. And then about 1997, 1998, um, it was turned out for persons to go and study at St. Michael into the lay ministry of the, the church, mm-hmm. which I took up that opportunity and did two years as a lay minister, learning the whole aspects of the faith of the church and the theology and as a, as a laity. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 1991, 19, no, 2001, I transitioned at the university, right away matriculated in to do the theology. Being oh, so you, you did theology yes. at, at UWE, even at the University of the West Indies? At the University of the West Indies. Mm-hmm. I did that for about four and a half years, mm-hmm. close to five, four and a half years. I graduated on the, the fifth year because I finished a little bit before the time. Yes. So you had to wait on graduation. Mm-hmm. I did about four and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I did that BA. And of course, I, the schools began to use me to impart religious education and offer guidance and counseling mm-hmm. while teaching my music. So my office at yeah. school expanded. Mm-hmm. And then even at church, apart from just playing the music, uh, being the organist or the, the person that coordinates the music, mm-hmm. I became part of the, the catechist, uh, teaching the faith. Okay. To a person for baptism, especially adults, mm-hmm. the rights of Christian initiation those who are interested. And then, so doing that, I moved on into the, becoming a part of the diaconate, where my priest kept encouraging me and he said, boy, the knowledge and the skill that you have and all, you have been at every function, liturgical function of the church as organist. Mm-hmm. Um, you are so knowledgeable even more than many of the deacons that we have, not to put them down, Yes, but because of my exposure, and he said, you are a prime person for candidates. Mm-hmm. They don't worry about your size. 
So don't worry about the style because being a, a deacon, it doesn't mean only serving the cup at mass. It means keeping the community, being of service to the entire community mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in and out of the church service mm -hmm. and the worship life of the people, which you can serve in those capacities. So um, I, I entered there, my wife agreed, so you know your wife has to agree, and uh, my wife is visually impaired too, mm -hmm. but she has sight, I haven't got any. Entered, mm -hmm. and, and of course the bishops were more than impressed. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember one of the bishops remarked, Bishop uh, Defoe, no not Defoe, Reese, Donald Reese ma ma um, said to the, the trainers, yes. said, please, Ensure that any of our aspirants for the deacon coming in, ensure that they have the level of spirituality and involvement as Pastor Taylor, which everybody found as a plus, you know. That was a big so, tribute. Uh, repeat that. That was a, a fine tribute to pay to you. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. And of course, um, I have had tremendous relationship with all the, the bishops that have come along. Mm -hmm. um, well, I've been with one priest mainly, but which I serve at Holy Rosary Church, that's mm -hmm. on the Windward Road in mm -hmm. Kingston, and uh, um, in Vineyard Town, in Teresa, in Vineyard Town, also in Kingston. So I've served those two churches each Sunday involving, and of course, I am called to do funerals and other activities all over the archdiocese. Do you do you do you ever get the chance to preach? I've preached all over. I've preached within the cathedral um, several times. Okay. I have been involved in the liturgical celebration um, at, at, at the cathedral, um, serving from the altar. Um, also, as a lecture, reading the book, you know. The, the gospel, so I've done that at the cathedral and, and a number of the so-called uptown mm -hmm. middle class um, churches. Mm -hmm. There, I remember doing a funeral from one of our middle class church, one of the richer church, and I took the body itself to the cemetery. So I've been doing all of that, serving alone, you know, uh, working well with the altar service. I find it as, a, as an opportunity. Yes. As a what has been throughout your life can you recall one very embarrassing moment as a blind person what is your most Whoa. embarrassing moment of course there are moments um well, tell me about one of them tell me about one of them you have fallen into holes yes out in the in the public street mm -hmm. you have fallen into holes right yeah. and you have to get up and and of course with the pity of everybody and sometimes people watching you and wondering if you're really, really blind mm -hmm. and they watch you falling into the difficulty. Yes. Um, yeah. I remember also having a challenge where we went to look work when we were in the pop music, when we had our own band, mm -hmm. the Optic Revolution band. Uh, Dunbar and myself, Roy Dunbar and myself, we went to see jobs mm -hmm. and after talking to one of the proprietors of... Um, the nightclub, you know, he was quite excited and said, all right, come along. And when we got there, mm -hmm. they didn't even wait for us to get into the building, you know, to hear somebody said, tell them we're not here. 
didn't, didn't want to face you. Out and say, yeah. He's not here enough. Yes. I said, no, but how you can do that when the man tell us to come yeah. and we hear somebody saying to you, tell him we're not here. Yes. You know, and the guards insisted that he's not here. Yeah. And don't make sense, the guys wait because they're not sure when he's going to come. So they insist that they are, that's what, they caught us off the compound. Yeah. So we had that kind of um, that rejection. And okay, so that was your embarrassing moment. What would you say has been your happiest moment? My happiest moment? Whoa. I have had, I've had so much happy moments. <laughs> Tell me about one my, of them. My ordination as a deacon. That stands uh, out. My marriage, yes. you know, my wedding, you know. Okay. I was very, very happy. Okay. Um, the birth of my son. Yes. Andrew is now 27 years old. I was, you know, quite happy. Mm. I think that uh, pretty much is one of the changing marks of my life. Where yes. I really begin to take life far more serious, knowing that I am totally responsible for life to guide. Mm. And I always said I want to have him dedicated, like Samuel, oh, you know, Samuel was dedicated mm. back to, to God. Yes. And I guess that was the, the moving point of my life that brought me now to look at my own life yes. and to dedicate myself to God so I, as I, I can leave my children. Yes. And of course, getting a home when you're owning your own. Oh, that that, that, that is always an exciting thing. in your moment. pocket. Yes. You know, yes. if you're more than a man. Yes. You know, I, I, got, I got my key uh, about 1993, and I tell you, I didn't take long for me to move into my house. Yes. What encouraging word would you like to leave with listeners? Um, for me, uh, to encourage any person, and especially those who are visually impaired. Um, there is a verse of scripture that a lot of people always say, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. It's a very profound truth, but it's one that you have to come to believe in. You have to believe that you can do, and, and you can do it as well. And without comparing yourself to anybody. Yes. And therefore, for me, my involvement and everything, one of the scriptures that I kept telling everybody that I walk by faith, not by sight. Not by sight. And, and many people laugh, even yes. in my sermon. Yes. But they have come to realize it, that it is true. Because if you walk around looking at everybody's face, faces, and looking at what everybody's doing, you are not going to be moving forward. You're going to get become discouraged. You're going to be turned back, turned mm-hmm. down, and all those kind of things. So you've got to believe. Believe it in order for you to achieve it. It's That's... going to be difficult at times, the mm-hmm. road, but you have to persevere. You have to persevere. Mm-hmm. Be consistent. Be at what let people see you. Mm. having a presence in whatever you are doing. You're always there. Even if you're not making any money, be there. I, I always said to my son, who's a barber, uh, when he did barbering, I said, get up out of the bed and go to work, man. He said, daddy, the clients won't come until about 10 o'clock. Mm. I said, son, 
you get there before 10 o'clock. You'll be there from 9 o'clock or 8 or 8.30. Waiting on that. Find something to do. Shine up your tools. Dust out. Dust out. Dust. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be in the place to need dusting. Yeah. Dust your ear. Make somebody come in and say, look busy. Yes. And then know that you are always here. Because yeah. somebody will need you even before the 10 o'clock. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh, on that note, I think that's a good note on which to end this chat together and I want to express sincere thanks to you for granting me the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much William. Remember we build our own society so we have to write our own history through yes. talking and through sharing our own experiences in life. Blessings. A place to listen and learn. That's it for today. Join me next time when we will present another in the series Vision Scope. Music was provided by Rennie Williams Jr. <laughs>